most people start smoking at a very young age. They are usually stimulated by their experience in their family or social environment, or even by the natural interest of those in the transition from childhood to adulthood in trying out experiences, behaviors, and products from the adult world. Most people who smoke cigarettes also believe that they will not be able to quit smoking and many who try to quit cigarettes and fail end up feeling powerless and frustrated. The binary message that the smoker must immediately quit the habit of smoking and bravely endure abstinence or else he will simply suffer the consequence of his weakness and die probably has the effect of keeping many people stuck with the habit, feeling discouraged and disappointed by the failure. If you or someone you love smokes, you will want to know what tobacco harm reduction is. You are listening to Switchpoint, a harm reduction podcast. Access to information is a human right, and especially in the field of health, we all need authentic and reliable information, a set of data with great factual precision and no dogmatic nuances. Harm reduction is a relatively self-explanatory concept that focuses efforts on minimizing risks and damages, and not on dictating or supporting prohibitionist efforts to eradicate behaviors and products. In other words, according to the British social scientist and public health specialist, Dr. Gary Stinson, harm reduction also refers to policies, programs, and practices that aim to reduce the harm associated with the use of substances by persons with mental disabilities are not necessarily willing to abandon their behavior habits or practices. Smoking of uh, tobacco is a huge public health challenge, but it's one where we have some harm reduction solutions and I think that in the next couple of decades we're going to see quite a major transformation in the way in which we address issues related to smoking. Harm reduction is uh, about facing the fact that many people like nicotine uh, but it's changing the delivery system so that they don't have to smoke the cigarettes that are killing them. The main characteristic is the focus on preventing harm rather than preventing the habit or behavioral pattern itself, which may most often not be achievable, respectfully keeping the person in their general life context as the determining center. The harm reduction perspective allows people to find safer and healthier options while maintaining the dignity and responsibility of their choices. In distinct times and cultures, Different habits, customs, and the use of certain substances were allowed or prohibited. Targets of prejudice, stigmatization, are even criminalized, as currently are cocaine, heroin, MDMA, and nicotine itself. In some cases, previously demonized and inadmissible psychoactive substances became once again socially accepted or recommended by the medical community and have the consumption normalized or stimulated, such as alcohol, sugars, sleeping pills, drugs to be more focused, to regulate mood, to improve sexual performance, that is, to modulate life according to our needs. A few decades ago, 
The main advertisement for a famous cigarette brand was being recommended by doctors around the world. Today, we know that smoking is the leading cause of non-communicable disease worldwide. In fact, we've been used to hearing for a few decades that smoking is probably the biggest cause of preventable mortality. Dr. Stimson recalls that, in global numbers, 1.1 billion people smoke tobacco every day, 80% live in low- and middle-income countries, and more than 6 million people die directly from a smoking-related illness each year. The estimated 1.1 billion smokers globally deserve a better deal and better options. We need to hasten the demise of combustibles and encourage the switch to safer, non-combustible ways of using nicotine. Evidence from many countries now shows that the availability of suitable, safer products helps people to switch from smoking. Despite decades of effort in tobacco control, the World Health Organization estimates that by the end of the century, one billion people will have died from tobacco-related illnesses. However, the global health advocate and former WHO cabinet director, Dr. Derek Yak, cautions that if we take advantage of new technologies to stop smoking and reduce harm, we can expect 3 to 4 million fewer annual deaths from tobacco in the next decades. By reducing, by either having a medicated product like a nicotine replacement therapy, or an e-cigarette, or a heat not burn, or a SNUS product, recognizing that it's the combustion that really does most of the killing, the burning. You roll something up, light it and stick it in your mouth, the stuff that's burning and kind of makes sense uh, uh, is the stuff that really kills you, not the nicotine. And we're going to come back to that just now because it's a fundamental point that was understood by the tobacco industry in the 60s, written about by academics like Mike Russell in the 70s, uh, when he made the point that smokers smoke because of the nicotine, that they die because of the tar and the smoke. That simple fact from 40 years ago is still not fully understood. It has profound implications for how we lower risk over time. We know that safer nicotine products are just that. They are safer than getting nicotine by burning tobacco. We know that people want to use these products. We proof of concept from many countries that tobacco harm reduction works. The obstacles are the rich foundations with a myopic view of tobacco control, which create divisions where none should exist, and international organizations likewise wedded to a narrow view of what can be done. There's too much fear and hatred in the field. There needs to be much more ambition, but also much more compassion. These organizations will, I think, rapidly find themselves on the wrong side of history. The tobacco harm reduction proposal recognized that nicotine is one of the most popular drugs in the world, that most smokers would like to quit the habit but have difficulty, that many feel incapable and others simply do not want to quit smoking because they like the effect of nicotine. The perspective of tobacco harm reduction seeks to protect health and defend human rights.
In the next episode, we'll talk about news and anti-news, discuss concepts and approaches in the journalistic field, and some communication phenomena that have become more powerful and detrimental to harm reduction policies in recent years, misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. You have listened to Switchpoint, a harm reduction podcast. Visit our website, switchpointpodcast.com, and check the extra content for this episode. The Switchpoint Podcast is founded through a personal Global Tobacco Harm Reduction Scholarship awarded by Knowledge Action Change. This work is dedicated to the memory of Kevin Malloy, 